back to DC Cinematic Minute, a daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I am Niall McGowan from uh, another Movies by Minute podcast, Bat Minutes 89. And you can find me, well, if you just Google Bat Minute 89, you can get in touch with us that way, basically. (laughs) (laughs) It's as simple as that. Yeah. So they they always go through a whole spiel at the end, and it's like if you if your preferred you know method of communication is Twitter, Twitter Batman is eighty nine. If it's Facebook, we're on Facebook as well. You know, it just seems to be it's just all of them. Yeah, but ah, just do it for safety, I guess. Yeah, you can't fail. Um. Well, cool. Uh, Niall. So I know this isn't uh, this isn't the Tim Burton Batman films we're talking about. Um. Is a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but can, you t- can you tell us uh, your kind of opinions about Dawn of Justice? Um, well, uh, <laughs> I don't hate it. Like, I know a lot of people really, really do. And I'm, uh, I was, even, like, in re-watching it, like, uh, I assumed, because I hadn't checked, like, the tomato meter since last year when it came out, and they made a big deal about how low it was. And I was stunned to see that it's still, like, 27%, because, like, while I do have problems with it, and it's, you know, more in terms of its, uh, its you know, length and tone and pacing and whatnot, uh, I think that the good parts of it elevated quite a bit. So I'm, I'm surprised that it's still sort of not, uh, you know, it's, it's not found its audience quite yet. Well, I mean, it's found its audience and made a load of money, but um, <laughs> I still, uh, I, I don't, uh, I have beef with it but not like i have a lot of things that i quite like about it as well so i'm fairly half and half usually i'm just happy just to see you know batman and on the screen anyway so i'm like i'm a you know i'll be enamored with you if you just have him appear at some point so uh i'm uh yeah i I feel the same way mm. (laughs) but uh yeah so i i don't i don't feel it deserves the uh the the hatred that it gets so uh I, I, I will defend some points but there are points in these minutes that you've given me here that i'm like oh boy so um <laughs> <laughs> all righty well we'll get into it uh today's minute is gonna be minute number 41 and it starts with perry agreeing to fly lois out to dc and then it ends with senator finch uh paying a visit to luther jr's manor mm. Or his father's? Oh, you just question. You don't know what to call that. Yeah. You're just referring to the room. Mm. Is that what we call it? The room? <laughs> no, it's just totally different. Okay. I'm. Uh, I, I was trying that for ages. Like when we get into the the, the room with Perry and Lois, because I was convinced that like in the background. Because nowadays in comic book movies, there's just Easter eggs everywhere. So I was convinced uh-huh. like, oh, those newspapers in the background. There's got to be something. And, like, you can barely make them out. But I was like, oh, there's got to be, like, a Detective John Jones solves another one. You know, something along those lines. But I can't make out anything. So it's, like, it could be that there's, like, a production designer who worked on it who was, like, got the, got a nice little Easter egg there. And it's like, well, it's out of focus. So that was for that was <laughs> yeah, for well, man, you know. But Actually, there is. At uh, 30 sec- 36 seconds in, mm. uh, oh. we see a GCU jersey, and then Jay oh, yeah. Oliva, mm. who's worked in the art department. Uh, he worked on Thor Ragnarok. He worked on uh, 
Justice League, Wonder Woman, uh, and even the Dark Knight Returns animated feature. Mm. I did that. And, he, and this film. Yeah, he was the one I did. The one thing I was like, that's bound to be something. But the thing at the, yeah. if you look into him, then it, it just ends in this mysterious note of he no longer works for Warner Brothers. Like, as of last year, he just seems to have severed ties. And it's like, what happened? Like, what, this guy, that, sounds, like, that sounds dramatic. There must have been some kind of beef, but... It could have been he's just like, nah, I got a better job somewhere else. But um, <laughs> tragically, we may never know. So, uh, hey, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Um, Jay Oliver or Olivia or yeah. o- Oliver. 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 It's like Oliver. O L I V A. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm got the image though. He, I, he went up to like the heads of Warner Brothers and they were like, "Can I have some more money, please?" And he's like, "More!" <laughs> just did a whole. Musical number from Oliver, the 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 Jay Oliver musical. Oh, so, oh that was a there you go. That was a joke that did not land right there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay, I'll, I'll 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 get the next one. I'll get the next one. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Keep it up. Just keep on firing away. We're, yeah, they're, we'll, they're bound Eventually, to hit. one will one will land. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I don't know musicals. Mm. Was it a music? That was a musical joke. Yeah, that's from Oliver the musical. And he, I don't, I don't, I don't know musical. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like a big famous, but he comes up with the bowl of gruel, and he's like the only orphan to ever ask for more please, gruel, sir. and it's like, please, sir, can I have some more? And the guy's like, more, and it launches into a whole musical number about that. Basically, it's uh, it's it, I, I, that that's ringing a bell. Mm. Do you know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, Mark? I'm just, I'm enjoying the. You're enjoying. Me I'm enjoying now explaining. <laughs> Oliver, why? I don't know. It's just, it's just, just. Hey, sometimes you just need to get you know, explained. You know, another thing that I found interesting since we were talking about like searching for newspaper articles and whatnot. Um, at Lois's desk, there seems to be some maps with like circles. You know, like yeah, on the maps. And I was wondering if that was maybe the Black Zero event. Like maybe she had like kind of like a cartography of uh, some downtown metropolis area. Mm. With like, oh, here's the here's the site of, or uh, the extent of the Black Zero's uh, destruction or something. So she has a couple pictures uh, or maps with the mm. circle. <laughs> uh, uh, just said. I'm sure this is ground you guys have covered, but like, you know, at the end of Man of Steel, we saw Metropolis completely destroyed. And it seems like mm-hmm. what, what, this is supposed to be like what a, a year later, or is it longer? Did they ever specify? Yeah, it's, like how long it's, it's been? Eighteen months. It's they, the movie picks up eighteen months later, but then as the film goes on, it's like it like goes through the entire season of fall. Because mm. it does see it, it really struck me uh, just the fact that like the Daily Planet is up and running, like it's just as if nothing happened. I was like, Jesus, guys! I was like. Maybe 18 months, that actually is like, well, fair enough. But you think with the level of the destruction that there'd still be like sweeping like things out in the streets and stuff. Because as I recall, like that, that city was uh, was pretty totaled by, by the end of the film. Yeah. But, uh... So so what happened, I think I think the day planet, I'm not sure. I think it might be the same building um, or it could be like a satellite building. Yeah, or well, so they they say the the windows are a little bit different, but the overall feel is still the same. Um, So I think it even the production notes don't really clarify if it's the same building or not. Mm. Um, But they hint that they may have 
just had to redo the the outside facade of the mm-hmm. the building um where the black zero kind of leveled and it was like in man of steel it was just like dirt and it was just like a, a ring of just flat land mm-hmm. that it created that became heroes park oh so all all they had to do was just lay down concrete put a superman statue and you know surround it with some water and call it a day yeah um and uh one of the cool things they they show in the uh art of the film book that we have is um in the laying of the concrete they included lines on it to show like where streets used to be so that people who paid a visit to Heroes Park would be like, oh, wow, this is where this street used to go through. Oh, right. But that street no longer exists and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it still showed like all, it, like the the skeleton of the crossroads still exists on the on the concrete over there. But yeah, that's what that's what uh, the Black Zero um, focal point is now Heroes Park. Mm. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say like Lex Luthor said that little bit about the rebuild Metropolis group gang gang faction whatever they are um i'll even you know take it one step further and say like hey you know they're hired by lex luther they're probably fast and efficient workers they could probably clean up the city if there was enough people it's like like if fema like was in no i can't i mean you don't don't think (laughs) superman helps kind of rebuild the city I'm sure Superman probably did his part, mm. but then also I think <laughs> his part. I, I think Lex like yeah. was probably one of the guys that's like, "Hey, I'm going to stand up and and I'm going to be the savior of Metropolis now," but not as like as show offy as we've seen and like Bruce in past Wayne. iterations. Bruce Wayne probably helped, of course, but like there's also in that art of art of book, yeah, whatever that book is called. There's like <laughs> one of the pictures of the concept is like Metropolis with just a but ton of cranes like construction cranes mm-hmm. so like i mean it happened like everything was rebuilt i guess maybe chalk it up to campiness and how fast things get built in comic book universes yeah. <laughs> i do know that the uh, man of steel was the first time i felt like destruction fatigue because like you've seen it you know big you know cities getting destroyed so much in films lately and I was usually it's there was always some level of a thrill to it, but that was the only one where I was a bit like, ah, that's I've seen this, you know. I've, uh, it it didn't it didn't quite gel for me that it was just like ah, I've been been here, done that, bought the t-shirt. Like, what have you done for me lately? But whereas on the other side, when it actually has the um, you know the, the Dark Zero machine, like Superman fighting that on the other side of the world, I was like, oh, this is exciting. I'm enjoying this element of it, but. Uh, Ah, oh, that's just that's probably for the last season you guys did when people <laughs> want to come in and oh, it's okay. <laughs> it all it all it all fits. It all yeah. fits. Um, I mean, that's not the first time we've heard that. Like, what did we call it? Disaster porn. It's for some people, but they say that's with the negative connotation. That's the negative connotation. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like no one who actually enjoys it would call it disaster porn. People who say disaster porn usually are like against. That. Yeah, it's like too much destruction. Yeah. All right. So, we we've we've barked up that tree, yeah. <laughs> brother. But the, um, I can see like the, one other thing I felt is kind of that was lacking a bit in Man of Steel, and you can see them trying to like it is getting rectified here a bit. I just wish it kind of popped a bit more. Is the uh, the Daily Planet's kind of banter between you know Lois and Perry and Clark and uh, you know I'm assuming they went for 
you know Amy Adams because she has a kind of Noel like Noel Nell the like the old nineteen. 30s 40s serials superman she has that kind of look about her mm-hmm. and um like i was kind of you would assume that like oh the daily planet it's should be more like you know like his girl friday or even like the raimi spider-man films where it's just like people just barking things at each other and it's all very fast-paced and funny and stuff and uh, i remember in man of steel thinking like that didn't really uh come across to me it seems very dry but this stuff all this sort of little interaction though of like okay go like uh you know, coach, economy plus, no, coach. You know, it's, it's, uh, they're trying to be like, oh, these people have a playful rapport with each other. And it's all like, oh, Lois and Perry, like, oh, they're always, they, they get on each other's nerves, but they love each other really. And, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, so I think this was a, a, a real step in the right direction uh, for me personally. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and it might just be because it's a sequel that they're like, hey, let's kind of, Let's turn up the characters a bit, you know, now that we know who they are. Because, mm. you know, in the first one, they're, like, dealing with the the idea that an alien now exists. So it's a little more of a serious thing. And we don't really know Perry White. So it's it's like if you're going to reintroduce a... I don't think Perry White's... Um, I think he wasn't as popular until, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's character. Now people, like, kind of know Perry White. Mm among superman lore more now than ever yeah right think? i'm asking you Nate. me oh god no i think that was that that train people that know perry white are probably um more along the to us the old, older a little older generation that actually grew up with probably the silver age books mm. um no, I, I wasn't. It. Yeah, but I was talking and about like people who just go see Superman movies. They're now not, they're not reading books. I don't think that Perry White. See, this is just to an everyday moviegoer, especially yeah. with these two movies, Dawn of Justice and Man of Steel. When they saw Perry White, Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. on the screen, they probably just thought, "Oh yeah, that's really cool. That's the guy from Matrix," and that's mm. it. Like they don't think about more about what character he's playing. It only takes like more like the the closer fans to actually be like hey they changed Perry White's character a little bit I want to follow what Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne is going to do with with the character mm. see I got, not like the general audience like I grew up with the uh the the Dean Cain Superman like that was well on yeah so like well I, you know, my mind automatically goes to Lane Smith I was just like sitting praying mm-hmm. just like just once, just once, just have Fishburne come out with like a great shades of Elvis or just just give me one yeah <laughs> one time but he's like no 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 but Fishburne's really got this knack now of playing sort of um, well-known, uh, you know, authority figures, presumably from the Matrix. But like I know he took over probably as uh, you know he's Jack Crawford in Hannibal the TV show, which is a similar kind of part of like he's the guy just in charge, keeping everything running smoothly and assigning people to do things. But uh, he does it very very well. And I have to say as well, I'm a great fan of his wardrobe in this scene. I'm really loving this. Uh, all of them. Everybody's. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I, I really love his um, like his waistcoat because, you know, the waistcoat with the lapels always brings me back to uh, 2008 when the Dark Knight hits. And you had like Heath Leather's yeah. Joker and he had the green waistcoat with the lapels. And if you wanted to get that waistcoat, it was virtually impossible. Like it would have to have been custom. It's, yeah. like, you could get green waistcoats, but you'd never get them with the lapels. So now every time I spent months months years probably trying to get one and now anytime i see a waistcoat with lapels i'm like 
that's a that's a nice that's a nice coach right there. Like he's it's did, a, did you get the Heath Ledger? No, one? no. It's like after tragically after a while, just sort of had to give up, just abandon that uh, abandon that hope. I did get his socks though, which was a, a nice. <laughs> they, they they were surprisingly <laughs> readily available through eBay, but not his actual socks, but like the similar design. No. I remember the I remember the blue button down that he wore was like with the, the hexagon. One with the, like, hexagons. It was like. I can't. I would Is it a big number? Cur- yeah, I don't know. I had to stop myself from curbing my own language at the moment because <laughs> it was just a a disaster of a price for how much that yeah, yeah. those shirts were going for. <laughs> but the, oh, I love that. I wanted that shirt as well. I wanted the whole outfit. Like not even as a as a costume. Yeah. It's like those are just really those are really nice threads he's got and on. It's just so. a nice shirt. Yeah. I just wanted that shirt, that button down. I was like, man, I just I just want to wear it. Like, come on. I have to say as well because like you know. You know, Fishburne here, he's rocking a nice. He's got, I'm not a big fan of the contrast collar, the white collar with the, the striped shirts. Like, eh, it's very, it's very Gordon Gecko it, to it, me. But uh, It feels a little 1920s, kind of. Like, it almost mm-hmm. makes it look like he should be working in a newspaper. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, the detachable. I don't, what do they call it? He's got the, the, the white cuffs as well. So it's like, yeah, detachable cuffs and collar. But yeah, but, uh, you know, but he, but he's Fishburne's just like what you know, furious styles, more like serious styles. Am I right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that one landed. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, other person, I really liked. Um, su- I was surprised at uh, Alfred's outfits as well because he's got a, he's oh he, uh, good call yeah, back when he's doing the um, you know testing the the voice modulator doing mm-hmm. that was it like flint bubble bunt cake or whatever he's saying repeatedly very. <laughs> Fairy Fuddle Butter Bar. Oh. <laughs> Funnel Fairy Butter Bar. Funnel Fairy Butter Bar. But- you know, um, it's a very interesting point that you bring up because it's like, it, it's a nice, it's almost a nice time to kind of do this almost like the 40s meets modern time kind of wardrobe because right now, I mean, well, it was, it might be, that fad might be over, but the whole like looking dapper kind of situation where people oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, let's have clean cut, like, I want the, the shaved hair with they the want slick the, side. What is it? They, they have the part actually cut yeah. into the hair. So, yeah. I mean, if you look back at like where we were looking at the Jay Oliver uh, placard, uh, you have a guy who's who looks like he could be. Oh, the guy the, that's facing. Yeah, like, he's like sitting out yeah. forward and um, Lois's dress. Uh, Clark Kent has like a brown suede jacket with a, with a blue flannel underneath. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a good point that you brought up because, you know, they all look kind of like they're blending the two decades together but you know that was actually happening here in real life mm-hmm. around like 2015 and 16 people were all, were all about trying to look like that era anyway so yeah it just fits perfectly yeah yeah if we're still if we're still keeping on like the way that people look uh, that uh, that Jenny Jerwich man, <laughs> like yeah. this is to- total this is all, this is only in and having to research this because I, I was under the impression the last I checked on Jenny one the first time I watched this film didn't notice that she was in it uh, and two I was still under the impression that she was supposed to be Jenny Olsen which was like ba- back yeah. in Man of Steel which is again was a confusion in Man <laughs> of Steel when like there's a big focus put on this random woman and I was just like who is she? And then after a while, I was like, is she supposed to be like Jimmy Olsen or something? Why couldn't they put a bow tie on her? Just so I know for like for safety's sake. But only then find out like, oh no, it's been like, I guess it's been retconned to have been like, uh, you know, Jerwich now. Or is the, does mm-hmm. the Olsen thing still stand at all? Or is that just, no, that was a, a fan theory that's out the window now. 
You got a tinfoil hat over there? You, you want to put it on? <laughs> it's like I sp- um, spent a lot of time like trolling the, the Facebook. You come across some, you come across <laughs> some theories, man. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as we know, quote unquote, Jimmy Olsen's dead and gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like and it was retcon. Justin Timberlake song. <laughs> Is it Justin Timberlake song? That's not a Justin Timberlake song. No, but he's in it. Is he? But it seems to be like... The, no, it's his song. Zack Snyder just got some very <laughs> confused feelings about Jimmy Olsen because he's like, I'm going to gender swap him first. And then he's like, nah, I didn't like that anymore. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you just have Yeah, I think Jimmy like Olsen? it was like all the uproar. But the, well, it was uproar about was the gender the rumor. swap. Was that, was, it? Is that, was that the rumor? That's what I it think was? The rumor, the rumor was that he had Jenny as a gender swap, Jimmy Olsen, and then people were totally against it. And he said, fine, you want a male Jimmy Olsen? Here he is. And now he's gone. Yeah. So deal oh, with it. I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> Which is a great rumor. It would have been amazing had he had like Melissa McCarthy play like a new version of Jimmy Olsen came in. It's like, it's new, Jenny. And it's just like, deal with it. Deal oh. with it, nerds. But uh, I'm sure he's just like, no, I, uh, I've already got enough uh, fire from those guys. I don't want to just like completely that- burn down the house over here. But. Are you are you not a fan of uh, Melissa McCarthy? No, no, I'd say I have no problem with her, but I just remember at the same time this was coming was the whole Ghostbusters fervor. So uh, I imagine if like, Zack and I wanted to fight fire with fire, he's like, oh, they don't like a gender swapped uh, Jimmy. I'm bringing in one. This will definitely piss them off. But uh, yeah. I mm. think now he's probably like everything about the dub, uh, the, the DC EU now feels very much like well, we're trying to. Uh, you know, rectify a few things that uh, you know now Snyder's ha- sadly had to step away because it's a even things like I think this week was announced that Danny Elfman's going to use John Williams' Superman theme in Justice League, mm-hmm. and that to me is a bit like like I love that John Williams theme, but it is at this point it's like nah, like it's it's the, the time is gone, like it's you, you don't have to make that synonymous with all Superman. It's just that those Donner movies and then that one Brian Singer one. Um, it seems a bit more like, you know, Hans Zimmer's you know, stepped up so, you know, so much. And, you know, any beef I had with the uh, man of steel, the soundtrack was not a problem. The soundtrack, that film's magnificent. And, uh, it just yeah. seems a bit of a waste now to be like, Oh, we're just bringing back in the old John Williams theme. And it's like, ah, just, you know, you can write good new stuff. You know, you don't have to fall back in the old, unless it's like one scene and it's just a little, subtle motif in the background but uh yeah but, but yeah. he's fine like every time he shows up it's just gonna be like dun, 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 dun. it's like no <laughs> no guys you know you go back like i was i was okay with the you know dun, 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 dun. Like, that's that's cool the soundtrack's not a thing you need to the, the rectify by any means but uh uh i can't, I can't so, remember where i even so, started with that so <laughs> no, oh no well so in perfect, the, the interview that they had with danny elfman he was uh he was saying that they allowed him to use it so that he could like almost pervert pervert it pervert it yeah is that like he made so yeah, they allowed him manipulate to manipulate it yeah they allowed him to use so what he's doing is uh he's almost doing like a Lex Luthor thing to I it I mean that's what Hans Zimmer did with with Superman's theme from Man of Steel well he says it was just in distorted the, and in the moment of the film super um they don't know where Superman's allegiance is I don't like talking about rumors mm-hmm. first of all but he said in the interview that. It's a moment in the film where they don't know where Superman's allegiance lies, whether he's still the same man that he was in this film. So what they did is they took John Williams' 
like little motif and they like made it eerie and like kind of questionable. You got to question it. Yeah. So which is as you should. Yeah. So (laughs) you're going to tell me that a a super being Kryptonian is going to come back to life and people are going to be like, hey, is he still all there up in his head? Like Like, that guy might be a little crazy. That's terrifying. I'm enjoying the idea of a questionable version of the theme because it's kind of like. Da, 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 da. Like, really, like, trying to put a question mark at the end of every note now. Like, it's like a trombone player who's just like, hold what? on. <laughs> but the, That's good. Although I have to spend like a lot of time talking about because uh, obviously we're covering the Tim Burton Batman, so we spend a lot of time talking about the uh, Danny Elfman and uh, have infinite love for that man. So it's like, well. I'm trusting him to do whatever he does, so. Yeah, I think it should be fine. Um, did you guys have anything else just for the Daily Planet part before we move on to the next part of this yeah, minute? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got to ask, because the, at least Clark Kent was hired at the end of Man of Steel. We didn't really see Perry interact yes. with him. This is like our first like, scene with him. Uh, what the hell has he got against Clark Kent? Because he's just like, oh, he just assigns him this uh, the, the library of Metropolis gig that he's been you know sp- specified that someone wants him there, and now he's saying, uh, oh yeah, probably some old charity crone who's got a thing for nerds. It's like, what? What the <laughs> hell did Clark Kent ever do to you, Kent <laughs> or uh, Perry? Sorry, but like, it's like plus one. It's like, why would you call him a nerd? The guy looks like he could snap you in two. Like, he's just got glasses on. <laughs> You've got glasses on, Perry. What, what the hell are you doing? And it's just like, what happened between these two <laughs> men? He's just like, oh I, oh, I hate Clark Kent so much. Oh. And then, even like, this to get into spoilers for later on in your film, if he has so much disdain for him, why is he so lenient with him later on? Because he's just kind of come out and like, I told you to cover this, not to cover Batman. You're covering Batman. What the hell? And then later on, he's like, where's Clark Kent? He's just disappeared. It's like, if that was any normal journalist in a, you know, such a competitive field he would be fired instantly for that kind of thing of just like he's not doing the assignments i told him and he's just disappearing off back off to kansas or whatever whenever i need him and it's like <laughs> it was one of the bits of like i can buy oh you've cloned a kryptonian and made him into some kind of giant monster but i was sitting watching those scenes like Clark Kent would be fired instantly. Like it's just I, I don't know why you'd even like why Perry would give him the time of day, seeing as he already seems to hate him inexplicably in this one scene. So, uh, ah, <laughs> you know I I like the idea that I'm I'm still a strong believer that Perry knows that Clark and and Superman are one and the same. So I'm I I really like the idea that Perry's just being really hard on him because he knows that. So he's just gonna be like, oh, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to mess with Superman. I get to do that on a, on a daily grind. <laughs> they call him a nerd. Hey, guy. He walks back. Hey, man, I just called Superman a nerd. Dear Diary, today I called Superman a nerd. He didn't say anything. Uh, you think he could be like, like That's just, I like that idea of, of Perry just being a hard ass uh, on him. Because he knows he can get away with I it. I like the uh, like, What are you going to do? You're going to hit me? Yeah, he could be like, uh, you know, uh, Ken, get, get, me, get me a cup of coffee. You don't think you can do it a little faster than that? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like those like little things, like God, how long did it take you to get here? Would you save like twenty kittens out of trees? <laughs> like just like things like that. I don't I know. Know. It's just fun. Like drop hints. That's all I I'm saying. I just don't think that uh, Perry's so. aware of like 
you know, his own authority. Because he's just, even with Lois, I can't, well, maybe because Lois is, like, his best reporter or whatever. But everything with her seems to be, like, she's such a liability. Like, everything she does is just, like, she's going to go off and get herself in danger again. It's called, she's constantly stirring the pot. And, like, he's just always, like, you know, all right, Lane, go off and do whatever you're going to do. Instead of, like, no, I'm going to have to have some serious reprimanding going on here. But, like, um, I guess yeah, maybe it's just this version of Perry's attitude is just very... Ah, you know, I'm just saying, yeah. I, I give them guff, they give me guff, uh, it's all good. As long as the paper comes out in time, I don't care, you know, but... Yeah. It's, uh... I wonder if, um, if, if, uh, if, if Perry thinks, like, like, now he, he's more inclined to send Lois on more dangerous assignments, knowing full well that, you know, Superman will save her. Like, just, like, it's I like think, that, uh... it's like, it's like a, like a like a seatbelt kind of thing i think he's like done trying to stop her i think he's probably spent his whole life like there's probably that but then do you think somewhere in his mind he's like god that girl's gonna kill herself you know what no she's not that guy's just gonna sweep right in yeah hey you know what lois go do what you want to do you want to go jump off a building with no parachute yeah go ahead you got it wonder though that make sure you uh write the story because that though uh like lois and Perry, like in this sort of situation of like this debate about like whether she's going to be able to fly economy plus or coach, and Lois in her head be like, oh, I could totally get Clark to just fly me there, and I wouldn't have to sit in this horrible coach plane for God knows how many, you know, coach segment for God knows how many hours. But it's just like, nah, because I guess I guess I have to show up to the flight because otherwise it's going to be like this woman you bought this flight for didn't come, but yet somehow she's in D.C. So it's like, ah, <laughs> all right, <laughs> you know, it's it's a uh, are we to assume that Metropolis is New York-esque and mm-hmm. D.C. is where D.C. normally should be? What? Yeah. You really need to fly there? Do people fly? Is that a normal thing, the flight from New York to D.C.? That's a normal thing? I don't know airports. Well, I'm, I'm guessing I don't here, know flying traffic. Uh, because what we see at the end of this is that Gotham City is right next door. And Gotham's supposed to be... Yeah, well, that's like over yeah, the it's supposed to be That's supposed to be New Jersey. So I guess like I'm not great uh-huh. with American geography, but like... Is, is it, yeah, is it like a flyable? Is it a viable, flyable distance to you know warrant getting a plane it, all the way there? Or yeah, from from, from Metropolis DC to yeah. DC, yeah. from New York to DC. So I'm asking you, plane. Mark. You it's know, a plane that's jump. a plane. That's a plane, a plane jump. jump. Yeah, I've driven. You can drive. I did it in a day. Yeah, but a day. It was a little less than a day. Not like 24 hours. It was like she's asking to like go right now. Which is weird, like, you just had a morning meeting at work, and you're already just going to book a plane. Usually it'd be like, all right, starting tomorrow, you can get on the plane. Yeah, she's got to go, But it's, no, it's like, oh, the meeting's over, and the plane's already waiting. It's like, how did that happen so <laughs> can, fast? Is that a, I wonder if that's a normal, like... Journalist thing? Journalist thing. Like, hey, you I can need just, like, get today. up from your desk and be like, I got to go, I got to go. If that's so, like, I'm, I need that job. Well, I think Perry, Sorry, guys, I got to go. I got to go write a story. I think Perry can pull those strings for Lois because it's Lois. I know, like, the status of Lois Lane, so that probably, like, is the answer to literally every question that we have. But, like... The Pulitzer Prize? Yeah. <laughs> Just pulls it out every time. Don't forget, <laughs> Lois Lane, Pulitzer she Prize a, winning author. She has, like, a laminated picture of it, like, on the back of her ID mm. badge. So it's like, oh, excuse me, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. I have, like... I don't like the portrayal of Lois in this film. Like, Man of Steel, yeah, fine. Like they, it seems as if though there's almost like a token scene of her, but like got a scene of Lois Lane been ballsy, and then she just reverts back to it, and like yeah, she's just a damsel in distress. And Man of Steel's not too bad because she is helping out, but this film is very much like 
everything everything that she uncovers in this extended cut, which is a bit which is the superior cut, I'd say, because you do see her do some proper investigating, and you get that five second Jenna mm-hmm. Malone uh, cameo put back in. But it seems like everything she uncovers would have been solved by Bruce Wayne anyway. So like it would have been she didn't really you know Lex Luthor still would have went to prison even if they couldn't directly tie him to like. Oh, giant monster that appeared from nowhere even though they found him in a kryptonian ship which obviously means he was up to something but um it's just the fact then that uh, you know they have a, a completely shameless scene of her just in the bathtub because they just wanted eh, amy adams in the bathtub give something for the kid you know for the little boys in the audience and to be fair they do balance it out by having naked affleck in the in the shower so you know not going to accuse them of anything there and they do have that that's hey man i'm yeah, all for that, it that scene as well of um, clark eating his bowl of cereal and it's just Henry Cavill with a shirt off, and it's like, oh my god, that man is like, it, it's, it's true. just like, it, 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's terrifying to be like, he, he must have been so miserable getting into that level of shape because it's just like, there's no way that happened easily. <laughs> like, it's just, that must have been a guy just living off ice cubes and you know steamed asparagus and pain for like months on end. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> steamed asparagus can be compared to. To something that's painful. Is steamed asparagus that bad? <laughs> well, I don't eat asparagus. I mean, that's all you're eating. Like, I like asparagus. That's you know, all you're eating. What if you could only yeah. eat asparagus, Mark? Would you kill yourself? You know, it's it's <laughs> when people are just like constantly eating chicken breasts and broccoli that it gets really repetitive. Mm. Yeah. That's when it gets sad. But the, it's, a, it's just a, but, a, um, after that then, towards the end, Lois is she's nothing but a, like a kind of... She is just a damsel in distress, repeatedly getting abducted. And then, you know, she, Superman's, or Batman's already in the middle of this sort of like, well, why, why did you say that name? She interrupts. I guess maybe you could argue that like, oh, well, she saved Superman by saying, oh, it's his mother's name. You know, maybe Superman would have got that out and Batman would have stopped that anyway. We, we don't know. But then she goes and throws the spear away. And then they have to go get the spear. And then when she's getting the spear, you know, she's drowning. So Superman has to go and save her again. And it's just really like... This character is just, it's, she's such a liability. Like, I just wish they had, you know, in a film that has Wonder Woman, I wish they could have, like, ah, oh, beef up the other female parts a little bit as well, just for the, just for the sake of it. But um, as we see, though, the, 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 as we leave this scene, we see another incredibly disposable female character to Lex Luthor. Uh, we get a little shot of uh, Mercy Graves is uh, shutting the door on um, Holly Hunter here. And it's really, I was really—I remember at the time, been very shocked that like, oh, Mercy Graves has actually been cast in the film, and then it's just like, oh, she, oh, she doesn't make it past this one. For apparently, you know, I'm assuming it's just for the Lex covering his own back of just like, oh, my assistant was in there. It could have been me who died in that building, but uh, yeah. uh, that's all spoilers for minute, minutes so... to come. Though <laughs> you can probably have to cut that out, I'd say. But uh... we'll we'll see. We'll we'll review the tape and. We'll make that judgment, but you know, people should ha- probably have seen this film by now, or maybe not. Uh, which, in that case, uh, too late. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a reason. Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to save because I wanted to comment on the whole Mercy Graves thing, uh, but we'll have to wait. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Mercy Graves has opened the door for Senator Finch to allow her to go see Lex Luthor and. Um, you know, we were talking about the wardrobe being kind of 1940s-ish mm-hmm. feeling in this uh, last scene. But in this one, it seems to go back to that modern feel with the way Mercy Graves is dressed, the way Senator Finch is dressed. And then you get Lex Luthor over here who's just in, like, jeans, t-shirt. You got t-shirt. trucks on? 
Uh, does he have what? Yeah, Chucky e. T's. Oh, he's got. I think he's still got the white shoes he had from the other day. Are they? They're still like those dress shoes. They're like. Uh, he doesn't wear dress shoes. He just wears like. He's got. He wears Converse. They look like Converse. But yeah, you know what I mean. He's got. They got that modern attire going on. They don't look like 1940s Daily Planet people. Mm. Well, with good reason. What's the good reason? They're not in the Daily Planet. Yeah. All right. That's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark, did you take note of this? You know, we do uh, Tarantino Minute. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know what I'm about to bring I up? I think I know. These tusks, these elephant tusks that are in the back there. Terrible people. Is that so? That's the Joe Cabot had them right <laughs> on his desk. As a production designer, if you want your character to be a terrible person, you put you just put ivory tusks. Ivory tusks. And you go, hey, the, yeah. this guy's a trophy hunter terrible mm. person and then the audience gets it subconsciously yeah. like oh terrible yeah. guy i think we also got the very um but uh, on his desk as well he's got the uh the white horse of course you know uh you know the, the white oh, not so much the white knight is just the signal of death it's like oh you know and then came a pale horse and and hell followed with him oh that kind of thing mm-hmm. you know obviously Zack snyder as we'll talk about in upcoming minutes really into his biblical references so um, that that's uh, that really struck oh, me yeah. as like uh, oh yeah you know, there you go because you know spoiler again for the rest of the film Lex Luthor will inevitably inevitably leave to uh, someone's death but who could it be tune in who tune in to future episodes <laughs> to find out if you don't know so and the horses uh they play a, they they show up quite frequently in this film every time there's death about like mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film when Bruce is walking through the dust and there's a horse mm. and symbol of death and then um I guess we'll have to save it for when the other horses appear throughout the film but Well Python was on horseback. Yeah, and there's some horses I guess there could, uh, at the Nairobi. You say that that's almost like tying Lex's and Bruce's motives together but with the horse like he sees the horse and then you got a horse next to but, you know because we see the Bruce's horse during the destruction of Metropolis, and this is obviously his motivation to like. This is why he hates Superman so much. And then Lex's motivation seems to be along the same. Like, well, he's, he's dangerous. Like, you see, like his his is very muddy to me. What exactly why he hates Superman so much? Because it seems like he has something. I mean, you guys will obviously talk about this much more later on. But it seems to be he gives some line about. Oh, there was never no man from the sky ever saved me from Daddy's fists, and it's like, is that your is that your whole motivation? Mm-hmm. Is that your, Superman wasn't there to save you from your dad's abuse, and now you just you're d- d- determined to kill him for some reason. But again, you could say though, maybe he is legitimately like, well, uh, it, 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 this is something that's quite dangerous, and you know we we should take care of it. Although then another argument to that is like, well, why would you create? <laughs> an unstoppable killing machine from the same form of alien, but uh, oh, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, anyway, we'll talk much more about Lex Luthor in the uh, the upcoming minutes, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you'll have. Uh, yeah, we have quite. I think about three weeks of Lex Luthor for you. <laughs> so, I mean, all good questions, but we'll get there mm. eventually. Um, so, as Senator Finch walks in, uh, Lex Luthor offers her some bourbon, and she declines. And uh, that's where that's where we'll stop. Do you want to stop it? Do you want to stop what Lex Luthor says? Or uh, well, what does he say? No bourbon. <laughs> Nate's favorite line in the entire <laughs> film. Well, one of. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into 
some of the stuff. But if you guys wanted to comment on anything you saw around the room besides the pale horse and the tusks, did you guys find anything else? There's it's a little too dark for me to find things. There's a there's like a like a onyx bust to the left, right as Senator Finch is like walking past a bookshelf, and I I can only make out like maybe like a it's a lion. Fa- it's a lion. Is that what it looks like? It yeah. looks like a like a lion to me. Maybe it's a face or something. Oh yeah, I can see a cat. He's got quite the. Uh, and then there's it's like, like a, a weird trophy room, but it's they're mostly statues. The lion? There's like tattered rags there's a painting that's covered up in yeah the painting covered in rags rags? right there under the lion Mm -hmm. thing that doesn't look like a canvas though no it's like wrapped up um but i think i think the biggest takeaway was probably the pale Mm. horse um there is a book right next to it that looks like it might be like a one of those like paradise lost or dante's inferno type books Mm. Where do you where do you see that? Um, where the pale horse is, then um, there's a chair to the right, and then there's mm. a book that's open. It's got like kind of like um, what is what is that author's name? Like um, Milton, kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah, I see it. Yeah. That, that, I th- that, that could be like actually something to if you try to work out the location of the painting. It could be because of what we know what the mm-hmm. painting's taken from. If that is in fact like Paradise Lost or something. Put spread out, yeah, we'll yeah. Get okay, there. there could be like, yeah, it's a deliberately. That is that that book, and it's set up in front of the painting for deliberate reasons. But uh, as you say, yeah, we'll we'll get to that in, in due time. So, mm-hmm. is there two horses in this thing? There's you're talking about. There's the one that you re- uh, initially referenced. Is that the one to the right next to the chair that's oh, like no. covered? And then the one on the table. And then the one on the table. I thought that's the one you were talking about. Yeah, I was talking about those. Though. The one um, on the far right looks kind of more like a seahorse. It looks almost looks like a. It's missing a I couple of legs. Like it's like this is Lex's old yeah. rocking horse or something because it's very it's really low down. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's just it's maybe a couple missing a couple legs because uh, maybe that uh, refers to Wallace or something. Um, yeah. But uh, confirm Black Manta. There's a seahorse. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, do you guys have anything else to wrap up uh, this minute? Uh, no, no, it's wait, me. Man. I'm done. Alrighty, well we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, don't forget to find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. And you can join us on the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.